and welcome to Secrets to a Financially Healthy Life, a video podcast series brought to you by Quilter. In this series, we're going to focus on the importance of financial advice in helping you navigate every stage of your life and your career. I'm your host, Jane Constantinis, and in the episodes, we're going to hear from Quilter's own experts and also some external guests who are going to give us a holistic overview and some practical advice on how to manage and achieve a healthy financial life for you and your family. Today's episode is all about career progression. We're going to look at starting out, new opportunities, and we're going to focus on the advice that nobody ever gave you, but we will. Uh, I've got two guests joining me today for this episode, Adrian Keen mundy National Sales Director at Quilter Financial Advisors, and Joseph Liu, who is a career consultant and public speaker. Welcome, both of you, to the podcast. Thanks for having us. I wonder if we might begin uh, by hearing from each of you briefly um, about yourself. Joseph. Okay. Well, when I think back to the very beginning of my career, this isn't typically part of my normal introduction, but my very first job was actually at a company called Northwestern Mutual Financial Network, and I was selling life insurance, and that was my first experience and direct experience with the whole world of finance, and definitely taught me the importance of financial acumen, the importance of planning ahead, which I know we're going to get into here. But when I think about the majority of my career, I spent it in brand marketing. So I spent about 10 years working in brand marketing, corporate brand marketing, household goods brand marketing in the U.S., marketing things any, anywhere from bin liners and drain opener to uh, luxury desserts at Goo and also Haagen-Dazs in the U.K. And now what I try to do is I take these principles of branding and marketing and apply them to people as they're navigating transitions in their career. So my work falls into three areas. I'm a speaker, workshop, and webinar host. I also do some writing for publications, including Forbes and Fast Company. And I'm also a podcast host and host a podcast called Career Relaunch, where I feature people who have made major career changes. And so that's basically me in a nutshell. Fantastic. Perfect guest for our first episode. Um, Adrian, what about you? Yeah, not, not quite as exciting as Joseph, actually. Of course <laughs> it is. Don't do yourself down. Uh, yeah, well, I started my career uh, in a retail bank, so I left school at 16, went straight into a retail bank. Uh, I know we're going to get on to um, advice people should have given us, and, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But I, I was very focused on starting a career quite early. Uh, I quickly found out that you needed to continue your education, uh, even if you were working. Um, so that was one of my, my first big lessons. But I, I progressed my career through branch management, uh, then became a regional manager and then I went into sales so I went into wealth sales um, and then again went into leadership through that in a large retail bank I became a regional manager and then I ran the national business uh, for them both a retail network and a wealth business uh, I took a break when I hit 50 um, and went to work for a DFM uh, so in London just to get a bit more experience and then for the last 12 months I've been at Quilter running their sales team um, which is which is great because it gets me in front of people, which is one of the big motivators for me in my career. Mm. And you've got great personal experience of some of the topics that we're going to cover today. I've got a lot of personal experience well, of some which, of these topics, yeah. Which is brilliant. Um, I, I'd like us to, to um, move on now then to the world of work because um, I, I'm sure everybody's aware that, that it's, it's changed in the last uh, years and there's a sense that, that people are searching for something quite different now. 
uh, from perhaps the, the, the previous uh, generation. What are you each hearing from the people that you're, you're working with and interacting with? Joseph. Well, you're absolutely right, Jane. The world of work has radically transformed over the past couple of years. We've just been through, while we're still in the midst of a global pandemic, we've had the ways of work radically transform where people have a lot more flexibility to work from home, to work fewer days a week. And so what I'm hearing from clients and audience audiences who, who come to my sessions is they have started to think very critically about whether the way they have been working is the way they want to continue working. And so I hear from people that they are much more interested in having flexible lifestyles. They want to be able to, to pick up and drop off their kids each day. They are looking for a better work-life balance. And I think this is the convergence of a trend that was already happening with the gig economy prior to the pandemic, combined with the fact that people have now had their eyes opened to these different ways of working. So it's very difficult to just go back to the way things were. So, so I'm seeing a lot of people yearning for more than just a paycheck in their in their work. And, and you really have a sense that this was happening anyway, but it's been accelerated perhaps by the pandemic. That's right. It, even in 2018, Deloitte did a study and they were describing this move away from what had been a traditional linear career into a 21st century career which is not going to look like the stair-step career that people had many, many decades ago. So this was already happening, and the pandemic just accelerated this trend. Mm. Uh, Adrian, what are you hearing from people? Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what Joseph said, really. I think, you know, what the pandemic did do from a, from a delivery perspective, for me running sales teams, was it did show that people will adopt technology when previously we might not have thought that would happen. So when we were engaging with clients and giving them financial advice, there was a view that, you know, you needed to be in front of the client, particularly for large amounts. I think the pandemic just showed that's not true. Is there any evidence, are there any stats on whether or not the people who do leave a job that perhaps is all right um, find what they're seeking? Well, I, I, I don't know of any statistics off the top of my head, but what... What you do see is that the people who are motivated to upend the stability that most of us very much value, and a lot of times this also means letting go of some of these uh, financial incentives that are built into your, into your current employment, uh, pension, vesting, things like that. So if you're going to take the effort to walk away from that, it's typically people who really feel a drive and really feel this deep sense that they are misplaced currently. Mm. So I would speculate that these people do end up maybe not immediately landing in the perfect dream job, but making strides towards doing work that they find more meaningful. Mm. I'm looking back at my career now in my head and thinking that I've stayed in really terrible jobs for far too <laughs> long. Happened, yeah. That's it what happens. we did. That's what our generation did. Um, uh, Adrian, when, when people are thinking of, of, of moving, uh, perhaps there are some people listening now who are thinking, oh, I'm a little bit dissatisfied. I think there's more out there for me. Uh, give, us, give us a sense of, of what the, what the uh, financial um, areas and issues are that people need to consider. Yeah, no, I think definitely. Uh, for me, it's all about planning. Uh, and uh, as Joseph said, people will move even if they you know, are quite happy where they are, but they've got a bigger aspiration to do something else. I, I tend to find those people who are focused, they, they really have got a plan in place. So they won't just willy-nilly resign and walk away. I think that's quite rare nowadays. I think people do plan for these things. And obviously, the, the, you know, 
the, the amount of planning you do is probably directly proportionate to how successful your transition is going to be. Um, I think when people start their careers, often they don't understand the financial benefits that are available to them if they're an employed package, for example. And you do, you know, we see people, for example, who have life insurance as part of their job or they could have access to private medical care, but they haven't taken it up because they weren't aware. You know, so simple things in terms of just understanding what's available to you uh, and making sure that you take advice where appropriate on is it the right thing for you to do, but also having a budget. I mean, you know, my children, they're at university, they had to learn budgeting. That's the first time they've had to think about budgeting was when they left home. And cooking. But, and cooking, yeah. And, actually they're, they're, <laughs> and laundry. laundry. Yeah, no, they don't bother yeah, with yeah. that. They've, they've no, probably done no better with the budgeting than the cooking. Um, <laughs> but, the, you know, you have, to do, you have to live within your means and you have to apportion you know, assets or income to help you achieve the goals you've got. I mean, there was a, an article in the Sunday Times this week which was just talking about pension provision. And it was talking to a 19-year-old guy who worked for a firm that provided a pension. But he hadn't gone into the pension because it's really difficult to think 40 years ahead about putting money away that you can't access. But once he understood the tax benefits and someone had talked to him about what that might facilitate when he was older, then he started making the contribution. So there's this big thing around... You know, understand what's available to you. Uh, and if you're a self-employed, understand what you can purchase in the market to suit your, your goals. And, and just really focus. For me, it's about flexibility now. It's about really ensuring that the decisions you make are not going to come back and bite you later. Mm. And you're right. Um, young people don't want to be thinking <laughs> about uh, retirement. They're, they're more interested in saving the world, aren't mm. they? Uh, so buying into getting involved in, in pensions feels alien. But... And, and some of the other things you, you've talked about there, understanding what the benefits are. Who can they ask for help on that? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start. I think, you know, traditionally, it's your family unit. That's, mm. that's you know, you will often take your cues from the environment within which you're brought up. Um, so, you know, that can work, depending on, you know, who, who, who's actually given you those lessons. Um, there isn't really much financial education in the in the. In the, in the school system in the UK. Um, but what I think is an onus on, you know, companies like Quilter is to provide financial education, you know, and just to talk through the basics because it's really eye-opening when you sit down with, you know, your 18-year-old daughter and she's about to go off to uni about her understanding of budgeting, bills, and those kind of things, which we take for granted through life experience. Um, but we probably learn, you know, through mistakes to some degree and and the fact of the matter is some of those mistakes can be costly um you know particularly when you're working and you you know you want to build a profile so that if your aspirations are to buy a house or you need to borrow money all of those kind of things you, you know you can make some simple mistakes which will impact your ability to do that mm. i've got to go now because my daughter turns 18 next week <laughs> and i need to quickly <laughs> educate her yeah. financially because i have not done that uh, very common um what what, what are you um, what what sort of conversations are you having with with people joseph um about their financial position at the point when they are thinking of of making a career change well it is absolutely one of the most important considerations. So I typically work with and cross paths with people who are, are typically mid-career. I don't cross paths as much with people who are straight out of uni, but these people, one of the major barriers in them, in them moving along is around this idea of their financial obligations or their financial stability. And it's a major barrier to let go of that because there's a lot of financial risk associated with it. You may you got a mortgage to pay. You got you got to pay the the rest of your bills, 
And so I think Adrian alluded to this, but, but your financial stability is actually an enabler for making the kinds of changes you want to make in your career. So it, it's fine and well to say, hey, I want to go and, and chase my dream career. But if you don't have your finances in order, you're going to feel that stress. And a lot of people, for example, I work with, um, one type of person might be someone who leaves the corporate world and decides to start, start their own business. And if you are comfortable financially, and if you have a, a rock solid foundation of finances and savings in your life, you can then approach prospective clients without that that desperation that I need your business right now. And prospective clients can sniff that out. And as Adrian mentioned, to have a plan and potentially a backup plan in case things don't go the way you want them to. Yeah, I've had, we, we see exactly that scenario quite a bit in terms of the clients that we work with. Um, and if you've built a really strong relationship with those clients, you're able to really help them you know, and, and, and facilitate what they want to do. So I think that's where, particularly mid-career, you've probably built some assets and as you say you might have some you know, mortgage um, debt, et cetera. That's where an advisor can really make the difference down the road. You've mentioned more than once a plan, yeah. having a plan. Um, what, and, and you also you also said that, that uh, things can come back to bite you. Mm. What can happen? What have you seen? And then, and then Joseph, what have you seen when people don't plan well i think you know there's a number of examples so if you're brave enough to step out of a corporate role and set up your own business you know the the marketing plan you know the networking plan um the the approach you've got in terms of where are you going to get your income and develop your business is is really important so if people are looking at that through rose-colored glasses Mm -hmm. and being over optimistic uh that can cause problems because what happens is two or three months down the road you know you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve and you may have done some of that professionally but not financially the reality as joseph said is you've got a bill to pay mm-hmm. you know so if i'm coming in six months down the road of setting up my own business and i'm worried about paying my mortgage that's that's really going to impact the way i interact with clients it's going to impact the way i interact with my family mm-hmm. and and that's what you see is that you know people do then probably give up and might go back to a corporate well, because if they'd done a little bit more planning, they'd have a little bit more time to to achieve what they wanted to achieve. And then the other thing is just, you know, it's understanding what you give up in that environment. So if you get five times your salary as life cover in a corporate world and you're stepping out of that world, you, you've not got the life cover. Uh, and if you've got a family and that's a priority for you, you need to you need to do something about it. Um, and, you know, I haven't personally seen a situation, thankfully, where that has bitten anybody. Um, but clearly it does happen. And I've heard it throughout my career that, you know, Sometimes you give up employee benefits and if the worst happens, you leave your family in a really poor situation. Um, So I think it's just understanding the reality, having a really open conversation about what your priorities are and then a planner can help you facilitate that or a trusted colleague, a friend, someone who's been through that can just, you know, just talk about the implications. Joseph, what have you seen in terms of of mistakes or problems that that have occurred from not having a plan? Well, the most common one is putting all your eggs in one basket and I guess from a financial standpoint that's a very familiar concept like you want you want to be able to diversify your investments but from a life standpoint also putting all your eggs in one basket on an idea that maybe doesn't materialize for whatever reason and you can imagine the pandemic is something that nobody would have predicted 
And if you, for example, were going into a business that was focused very much on in-person events, uh, well, th there goes that idea yeah. <laughs> the past couple of years. Or if, if you're someone who has it set in your mind, you're going to work for a particular company or a particular sector, and that sector has suffered. Uh, once that falls away, then you've got no backup plan. So, so I actually think that what's really important is to have a very clear timeline and also a clear backup plan. And that backup plan, it, it doesn't even necessarily need to be one that you resort to, but just having it in your back pocket can give you the comfort to know that, hey, if this doesn't work out, then it, not all is lost. And so being diversified in your career planning can also be very useful. And sometimes people don't do that. Um, let, let's um, focus in a bit more practically, if if we could, um, Adrian. I want I would like you to start because we we've spoken a lot about people's um, uh, different attitude to work, about the things they want to achieve in their in their life, not just in their career, but. As you've said, people still do want to buy houses, uh, shoes, handbags, potentially, and uh, and go on holiday. Give us a checklist, if you would, please, because I want this to be really practical for people listening. A checklist of the things that you should have on your consideration list. Yeah, sure. First, first thing for me is a budget. You, you need to work to a budget. So you've got a certain amount of income. You need to apportion that in a way that fits with your priorities um, so that you don't find yourself you know not being able to fund a car repair or you know not being able to pay for your children to go to university yeah. um, or, or whatever it might be if you're in that fortunate position I think then it's about um, making sure you're taking advice and thinking about um, more broadly you know what your priorities are and how do you achieve them because you may be very well uh, financially educated and able to manage all of it yourself um, if that's the case great but I would still you know take a second opinion and and take advantage of you know the things that are available to you so if you're saving money do it in the most tax efficient way that you can because why would you give up why would you pay tax on something that you don't need to yep. so you know we know ISAs etc here um, when you're when you're trying to get to a position where you're building your you know your financial stability and strength certainly things like credit scores are important um, so if you want to apply for loans, a mortgage, you need to have some form of credit history and you can do that um, by ensuring that you pay your bills on time, that you have some direct debits. If you've got a mobile phone, you know, don't don't miss a payment on your mobile phone. Those things can make a big difference. See, yeah. that's such a simple thing, isn't it, that people might not have, have considered would have a really big impact? No, no, absolutely. And, 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 you know, clearly, if that does happen, there are ways that you can put it right. So I'll just assure people of that. Um, but then I think it's about, you know, According to your plan, you've got to prioritise where you're going to spend your money. So if you've got a plan, for example, that, you know, I'm going to retire at 55, you know, that that is my goal. I've got, you know, big plans to go and travel the world, et cetera, et cetera. Is this you speaking, actually, because we probably should tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got six months tell left. HR. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're going to do that, you've just got to be realistic. You know, um, very common that, that back in my early career, you know, I would see people who were self-employed putting money away for a pension for, for, for the future. And the amount that they were saving was completely disproportionate to their expectations about what they would get out of it. You know, it was almost like, you know, I'm gonna save 50 pounds a month and then I'm gonna have a million pounds in 20 years time. You know, yeah. the math just doesn't work. So there is a bit of, uh, I suppose, subconscious reassurance that you're doing something and therefore it's enough. But again, you, you've got to understand that if you're doing something, you need to understand what the 
output of that is going to be. So I think making sure that you're apportioning your income in accordance to what your priorities are is really important. And then when you grow wealth, um, and hopefully people will grow wealth, it's just making sure that you go through a process like many things in your life, that you take the right advice and you review to make sure that it's still going to do what you want it to do. And, and my point earlier, you know, you can apportion your investments to the things that are important to you. Mm. So you don't, you know, you don't have to take a particular course of action. If you have a cause or something that's really important to you, you know, your advisor will probably be able to help you in terms of, you know, facilitating that. So, so for me, I, I've mentioned the plan word a long time. It, it never stops. It's, it's, you know, you put it in place, you review it, you alter it according to your circumstances. Um, and that means that as far as possible, you're prepared for the unexpected and you can facilitate what you want throughout, throughout your life. And I think the business of reviewing it on a fairly regular basis is interesting. I think I am a little bit frightened to keep looking at my financial position because yeah. I, right yeah. I fear <laughs> yeah. it yeah. may not be as good yeah. as I as yeah. I hope. So yeah. I'd rather ignore it. And yeah. think think about our cars. We have yeah. those yeah. Uh, serviced and MOT'd yeah. every year. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Wh why are we reluctant to do the same for our financial health? Listen, there's a lot of examples, you know, people spend more on insuring their pets than they do on themselves. You know, where, where does that come from? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a fact. Um, mm. So so I think there's many things that, you know, we probably do that we we wouldn't with a bit of advice. Mm. Um, but also, you know, we're not perfect and, and everyone's priorities are different. So who's to yeah. say who's to say what's right? But my, my view is just go into it with open eyes. Yeah. And, you know, Education is a big thing for us, you know, mm. helping people stay in the market when things are rocky because, you know, you don't want to you know, exit at completely the wrong time. Um, so it's, it is about reassurance, education and just facilitating people's goals. Mm. Uh, you have used the word plan a lot, but we like that very <laughs> much. And uh, something you, you said earlier, Joseph, I thought was really interesting. You, you talked about control, mm, yeah. that, that you, you then have more control over your life really that's right yeah so again if you're if your finances are in order then it gives you the freedom and the flexibility and also kind of empowers you to actually pursue those things you really want to do if you if you're not able to pay your bills if you are worried about your financial future or maybe you haven't taken the time to invest in, in smart financial products what's going to happen is it hangs over your head and you, you what can what I've seen with clients is they almost feel guilty about pursuing their careers uh, or their career, their desired career paths. What I hear a lot of times from people is, well, I've got to think about my family. My spouse is in a is in a job that maybe he or she doesn't love necessarily, but is is helping to keep us financially stable. So then they don't feel like they have the right or that they should go off and do something that they really enjoy doing. So as we've been talking about today, your financials are are really the foundation for everything else mm. and and that goes for your career also and you've mentioned something there super super important that we haven't touched on often it's not one person in isolation mm. yeah it's 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 a team of, yeah. Of, yeah of individuals mm -hmm. i mean sometimes what i'll see is uh partners will trade off so what will happen is because i cross paths with a lot of people who are in transition and their their husband or their wife or their partner they've had a chance to pursue their careers and now they feel like it's their turn but because they're in a tough financial position now they, they don't have the ability to do that and then that creates resentment between the two so so it, it does matter and and there are a lot of stakeholders in your family who also start to weigh in on your own career decisions
Yeah, like yeah. those university students who need those pots and pans. Yeah, exactly. And and I, th- I think that you know that comes back to that family point. You know, as an advisor, you know, our ideal is to be advising the family unit because, you know, tax allowances, etc. You want to make sure they're used in the most efficient way between the family unit. Um, you want to ensure that you know throughout people's um, life stages, you know, intergenerational wealth, where is the wealth going to go if something happens to somebody and, and can you help that conversation? Um, so I think, you know, if you can look at look at it in the round, look at it as a family unit when you're providing the advice and help educate all parties, that, that is a winner for everybody in that relationship. Now, at the beginning of our conversation, Adrian, you said you alluded to some mistakes that you made early on. Uh, I'm going to give you both now the opportunity, please, uh, to share with us what is the advice you wish somebody had given to you in perhaps the early stages uh, of your career? I think, I think for me, I wish someone had said be a bit braver. Uh, you know, when, I think when I started, I, I followed quite a traditional path in terms of I started in a retail bank. I went to night school to do my qualifications, you know, um, and I was I think if I could have been a bit braver on a few, on a few of the opportunities that were put to me, mm-hmm. and I might have gone a little bit stayed because I, you know, I had my car loan and I wanted to pay my car loan, you know, and there was little, you know, just little examples of where I could have probably done a few different things within that career that might have opened up other opportunities, mm-hmm. uh, and so that would be my advice: is you know, just be brave and go for it. Thank you, Joseph. What about you? Well, it's interesting. Just to, can I just tag on to something Adrian just mentioned there with with this um, the the idea of. I guess regret. I'm reading this book called *The Power of Regret* right now, and one of the one of the four regrets that people have is called a boldness regret, mm-hmm. is what Daniel Pink calls it, and it's the idea of not doing something because it doesn't seem practical. and And I guess that kind of dovetails well into my advice for somebody, which is uh, something I wish I would have heard was that it's okay to have a non traditional career. Mm-hmm but that you also have to be realistic about it along the way. So, so you don't necessarily have to follow a linear career path. You can have a rewarding and meaningful career, even if you don't climb the traditional corporate ladder, and that's okay. And uh, I just think that it's, it, it's okay to, to actually pursue a career that you want to pursue, not the one that you necessarily feel you should pursue because mm-hmm. it looks good on paper. Mm-hmm. That's what I would probably And that's say. exciting, isn't yeah, it? That, that, that is a great, um, a great feeling that anything is possible. So that's, that's what you wish somebody had said to you. Mm-hmm. Now you have a chance <laughs> to offer some advice to people who are perhaps starting out, um, apart from be, be bold and be brave. Yep. What else? I think for me it would be networked. Uh, and what I mean by that is generally throughout my career, I've progressed through my hard work, but the people I knew within the firm. So by being proactive and building relationships, people get to understand what's important to you um, and what value you can add. So I think and that, and that applies in a self-employed environment as well. You know, you know, people are not going to knock on your door and give you work. They might do now and again, but predominantly it's because of your efforts. You've been out. You've made connections and you've built that network. So I, you don't realise that early doors. I had a bit of a romantic notion that well, I'm going to work hard and therefore I'm going to get promoted and yep. all of those kind of things. But the reality yeah. is you need to network. You need yeah. to build connections with people um, because, you know, frankly, you'll find some people who you don't want to work with uh, as well. Uh, but if you are doing that activity regularly and investing in it, it's not something you can ever stop really. Mm. I just think it gives you more choices. 
And that's called tiara syndrome, right. that business of, of getting your head down, working really, really yeah. hard and thinking that somebody will come along and put a tiara on your yeah. head. Yeah. And I have to say, I made the same mistake early on in my self-employed mm. career, left my full-time, very stable job, became self-employed, had not networked enough, yeah. didn't have enough any contacts. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big error. That would mm. be my piece mm. of advice mm. too. Mm. Uh, Joseph, what about you? Well, I would suggest that people think about their careers in chapters. I think mm. what can happen oftentimes is that as you're thinking about your career, you're trying to accomplish everything right now. And what I think is more practical and probably more palatable is to think, what stage of my career am I in right now? And what is my number one priority that I want to achieve during this chapter? So if it is to build up a nice uh, financial nest egg, then, then that should drive your career decisions. If it's about doing work that you feel you're passionate about, and this feels like the right moment to pursue that, maybe go after that. If, if you've just recently had a child and, and you are much more focused on work-life balance, maybe that means you got to let go of having the fancy job title, but you actually have a lot more flexibility. So, so I think it's just important to think about what do I want to get during this specific chapter of my career, and I don't have to have it all at this moment. And it's very difficult to have it all. Mm. Well, sadly, we're out of time. It's been such an interesting conversation. Uh, thank you very much uh, to both of you. I've heard some fascinating things, how important it is to be brave, that we need to be prepared uh, for the unexpected. And, of course, how important it is to make a plan. Thank you for, for all of that. Um, if you'd like to find out more about Quilter, then go to quilter.com. Uh, I'm Jane Constantinis. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. Bye for now.